You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, packernerscoredaddy. Well, the last week or so, it's been uh, much more overwhelming than usual trying to figure out what the heck to talk about. It just seems like there's, there's too much. Um, and so, what I did is I went over to the fine people of Patreon and I said, what the heck do you guys want to talk about? And so we're going to start there. And we'll see where that uh, where that brings us. Um, still, a lot of thoughts and opinions on the trade situ or the you know the trade deadline situation. Let me let me just say this. First of all, this is the conclusion I've come to. A couple different potential things, but there's one definitive conclusion. People on Twitter are just throwing a temper tantrum. Um, I'm on there trying to do what I can to make sense, and people are losing their mind and not making any sense. And I'm, I, I need to realize that some people need a week to recover from the fact that the Packers didn't go out and get their favorite player in a trade. Um, I should know better. I should realize that this is how this works. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can't really even make heads or tails of some of the things that are being said right now, things that I've never heard the entire year, suddenly everybody knew this all year. Like, uh, what is even happening right now? Um, you know, again, apparently everybody knew that the year was going to suck. Everybody knew that as soon as Devontae left, the offensive line would implode, you know? As soon as Zadarius left, the defense would implode because he was the heart and soul of our defense. He didn't play last year, but we'll just not talk about that so much. When Billy Turner left and, you know, was replaced by David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, and Elton Jenkins. That ruined our offensive line. But overall, as soon as MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, and Devontae Adams left, we all should have known, we all did know, aside from uh, from Brian Gutekunst, that this was over. And that's the entire reason that the offense, defense, and special teams aren't working. That's the entire reason why we're not winning football games. That's the entire reason why the offensive line can't block, and Rodgers can't seem to read a defense and can't throw accurately, and the defense has no aggression, and Joe Barry doesn't know how to call plays, and that is the reason. And we all knew that, except Joe Barry, and we knew that we needed to replace Devontae Adams. And nobody can list a single name of a player that would have been good enough. But it doesn't matter, because we don't need somebody. We did go get somebody. As I said, we went out and got a free agent wide receiver. Well, that's not good enough. Exactly. Nobody is good enough. If we had gotten Chase Claypool, guess what? We did not replace Devontae Adams. That also doesn't replace MVS, right? Because that's the other thing I'm hearing. Well, we can't throw deep because we don't have any speed without MVS. Well, first of all, we have Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins who are the speed guys. Also, I was told Romeo Dobbs is a great deep threat. So we have three new ones to replace MVS. But but I guess MVS is a master of, of the speed demons and also just a productive monster. 300 some odd yards or 400 yards and three touchdowns. Equinemius um, was listed in my discussions on Twitter as a reason why the offense is failing. It's just, it's, it's a psychosis that's going on right now. People just wanted something. I want something and I didn't get it and I'm throwing a temper tantrum because nothing that's being said makes sense online right now. If you're doing this, you have to stop. You have to stop. This doesn't make any sense. Prior to... The trade deadline, I have heard everything pretty much except the wide receivers. In fact, we just played Buffalo, and everyone's screaming about how great Dobbs was. Everyone's screaming about how great Samori was, right? Everybody's excited about the wide receivers, but then the trade deadline comes and goes, and that's, never mind, the wide receivers are the sole reason that everything sucks. The offensive line, the quarterbacks, everything is terrible because of Devontae. He left, and if we'd replaced him with some subpar wide receiver, then we have officially replaced Devontae and MVS, and I guess Equinemius, who was a great wide receiver in, in Green Bay, supposedly, and then everything would be fine, and we'd be winning football games, and Gutekunst is the only idiot that doesn't see this. No, man, that's not the situation. So let's recap what happened one more time. And I, I listen, we are in a bad spot. And so ultimately, you can't defend Brian Gutekunst. His decisions led us here. So I, I, I don't want to say that 
nothing is his fault. But but let's just be clear about where we're at, because I think a lot of people that are mad are also responsible, well, not directly responsible because nobody cares what you think, but are also in some way responsible. In other words, if you were the GM, you would have done the same thing for us being here. We're not here right now because Brian Gutekunst doesn't go all in. We're here right now because he does and he did, which is the only thing that he's done through this process that's made me very uncomfortable. People that are mad right now aren't mad because we didn't trade away Aaron Rodgers. A couple are, but, but they're mad because we didn't go in more. We didn't do more. Dude, we have done so much to get to this point. That contract from Aaron Rodgers is, is a massive all-in move for like one or two or maybe three more years. And again, they tried to get Devontae. They tried to massively overpay him to the point where I'm sitting there going, dude, I love Devontae. Do not pay him that much money. That's stupid. But we went all in numerous times to the point where the contracts make no sense. Everybody's got like 65 void years. It's a disaster. Brought back Aaron Rodgers on a contract that is not the greatest contract in the world. Tried to pay Devontae, and when, when he couldn't do that, we spent all that money. Then we went out and got three wide receivers and a free agent wide receiver, but that's not enough. Obviously, you idiot, that's not okay, whatever. And added pieces to the defense and added pieces to the offensive line, one of which is serving as a very good piece on top of a bunch of guys coming back. As I said, Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander. These are pretty prominent pieces coming back. If I do say so myself. And so there was every reason to expect, as 99.999% of Green Bay Packer fans did expect, that this season would be another season for them to try again. The expectation is they're going to have a good regular season. There might be some bumps along the way trying to figure out how to make the, the offense or the wide receiver situation work, but the defense is going to be elite. The offensive line is going to be elite. Aaron Rodgers is still elite. The running backs are elite. So we got to figure out the wide receiver situation. But once that gets humming, we're going to sail through another 13-win season, get into the playoffs, and hopefully not fail. We'll see how it goes. 99.999% of Packer fans more or less signed off on that. A couple variations here and there. But that was pretty much it. And the idea that that was never what anybody thought, we all thought that this was a disaster if we didn't get a wide receiver, and we didn't get a wide, well, we did, we got four wide receivers, but, but not those wide receivers, a different one, a, a super elite one that's sitting out there waiting to be picked up for something that we can afford who doesn't exist. If we would have gotten that guy, everything would be fine right now. The offensive line would be able to block, and Rodgers would be able to throw, and the defense would be playing way better. If we just had gotten that fictional wide receiver that doesn't exist, man, oh man, oh man. I dare you to say Chase Claypool out loud to me right now. You out of your freaking mind. Nobody has ever cared about Chase Claypool ever in the history of the universe until this trade deadline came around. And suddenly he is just the savior of all things. When is the last time you mentioned Chase Claypool's name prior to him potentially being a trade target? I know you've talked about George Pickens. We've talked about a lot of Steelers wide receivers going all the way back to, geez, I don't know, Heinz Ward and, and Antonio Brown and... Juju Smith-Schuster, we've talked about a lot of Steelers wide receivers because they're really good. Who, who, how many times have you talked about Chase Claypool? Maybe, maybe if you play fantasy football and he's on your team, you have. But, it, but let me just say, in general parlance, in general just, hey, let's talk about the NFL terms, nobody's talking about that guy, ever. Nobody cares. So you need to freaking relax. Throwing a temper tantrum saying Brian Gutekunst needs to be fired because he didn't go get you your wide receiver that you've been begging for for 17 years. Again, he did. He got you four of them this year, but not the ones that I wanted. I wanted to do something else. And and ultimately, it's only satisfied when he gets you a wide receiver and the team wins the Super Bowl. Unless that happens, he's not doing it right, which isn't going to happen because a wide receiver isn't going to fix this. So Brian Gutekunst can't win with you because you don't make any sense. The bottom line is, that was the expectation, that we're going to have a good season. And then everything fell apart, to the point where, if there was something we could trade for to fix this, I believe he would have done it. If there's an issue with the offensive line, maybe even two pieces, we could try to figure out two pieces. If there was a wide receiver, that was the problem. If, if a tight end might have been able to do it. If, uh, you know, it was a corner, a defensive tackle, an edge rusher, a safety, if there was one thing that could have done it, fine, let's do it. Or, or at least gets us a big part of the way there. If we need a, you know, a wide receiver and a safety, we get one of those two. Hey, at least we got something. But it's everything. Everything is wrong with this team. And that's abundantly clear to anybody that's paying attention. It's, it's insane to me that suddenly everybody has these new revelations that make no sense. 
this oversimplification of it's just this one or two thing and everybody knew it except Brian Gutekunst and you Brian Gutekunst lovers that that said that this was going to be fine and it's it's just it never was going to be fine. Bro, never. Did you or anybody else say that? Uncomfortable about Devontae leaving? Sure. You predicted Elton Jenkins falling off a cliff? No, you did not. Yeah, I'm sure there was just a, a, a line of people around the block of Packer fans saying, man, I'll tell you what, if we get Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, and Elton Jenkins back, this is going to be a freaking disaster. We're going to be so much worse, especially after we drafted Zach Tom and Sean Ryan and stuff. Because Billy Turner, that's the dude right there. That was the heart and soul. Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick, boy, oh boy, we're nothing without those guys. What are we even talking about? What kind of freaking weird twilight zone did I walk into? And, and, and again, what I realized is everybody has lost their mind. Because it's not all of Packer fans that are doing this. It's just a very loud group of people that crop up every time the free agency or trade deadline pops up that, that the only thing they care about is, go get me something cool. Go get me something cool. And when, then when that doesn't happen, they freak out and say a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense because the only thing that matters is I wanted my toy and you didn't give it to me. There are children in the toy, toy aisle kicking and screaming. Mommy won't give me the toy, so I'm going to kick and scream and say I hate you and Brian Gutekunst is mommy. Could have just as easily went with daddy, but I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to go there, you know? Seriously, Brian Gutekunst is the daddy that wouldn't buy you your toy. And so you're kicking and screaming and saying I hate you. I'm sorry, but there's not one thing that's fixing this, dude. And I, and I always make the mistake of saying, I wish, I wish he would have just done it. You know, go, go, go out and get Chase so that he can come in. The team still fails. And then we, we get to, you know, see all these people who are screaming for him uh, realize they were wrong. That doesn't work. That never works, ever. That, that's the exact reason why you should never give in to anybody saying anything. I used to do that with politics all the time. Like, oh, I, I, I hope the other side wins just so that the, everything fails and then they'll finally see. They don't ever see. They never see. They never change their mind. You could say, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Specifically, if you elect this person and they enact, and elect, enact that policy, these are the negative consequences. They will elect that person, enact that policy. Every single one of those negative consequences will come up. By the way, they, they said, no, that won't happen. And then as those things happen, we'll, we'll listen to what the talking points are about why actually those happen. Actually, the reason it happened isn't because of everything you said before. It's because of different things that we made up. There's no learning with people. They never change their mind. They never change their opinion. They're only stuck on one thing, and that's I want everything that I want to be true to be true, and I will never change my mind or learn a single thing ever. That's why it's better to stick to your guns. Matt LaFleur and, and Joe Barry uh, should have learned this lesson. Joe Barry, he gets pressure to do what? Play more man coverage. So he does it. Jair gets absolutely destroyed. Then they go back to playing more zone. Jair has a dominant game, and somehow the Packer fan narrative is, you idiot, why didn't you put him on man, in man coverage against their number one guy? Did, did you not just watch the last game? They just did it, and it didn't work. By the way, Jair had a great day. I don't under, I don't. But again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the reality is. And Joe Barry, it doesn't matter. He didn't, he didn't prove anything. Okay, I'll try it your way. Oh, that was a failure. All right, we're going back to my way. Nope, because they didn't learn anything. Well, that doesn't count. That's a different thing. Pandering never works. That's why, you know, Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry, Brian Gutekunst, figure out the right way to do things and just do that thing and tune out everybody else and tell them to stick it. There is no situation where you will do what other people say, show them that it doesn't work, and then say, okay, now that you've learned, I'm going to go back to that. They didn't learn. I'm sorry. They're just going to keep saying it. Case in point, we have done nothing but go all in at 100,000 miles an hour for three years straight, and fans are still screaming, this guy refuses to go all in. There's no, there's no learning. There is no learning. There is no capacity to understand. Hey, we should try something else, right? I, I was all for that. We should try something else. We should go be more active and free. And I still think that that's a good thing to do, to be more active in free agency. I think we took it too far rather than kind of doing some, some maintenance and pruning and, and, you know, letting some guys go and doing some different things rather than pushing all in and destroying the cap and, so that we can keep everybody. But I, but I do think we should have been more active, and we have been, and I think that there were some positive results. 
But no, we got to go in more. We got to go in harder. We got to do this and that. Sorry, Blaine can't talk right now. He always calls when I do the podcast, and I usually answer, but I'm kind of behind right now. Timing sucks, Blaine. I'll try to call you back, but I won't remember. Plus, whenever I call him, he doesn't... <laughs> He's Mr. Talkative, and I am not. And so usually he calls me, I never call him. But sometimes I'm like, all right, I'll call him back. But like if, if he's not the one initiating the conversation and then he's just kind of like, hey, what's up? And he's not like in talking mode, then it's like, this isn't going anywhere. We should just hang up. So maybe I won't call him back. I don't know. Um, I, think I've, I think I've hammered that point. Free agency is, is, a, is a fine thing, but we took it too far. And we need to learn the lesson because I cannot handle this. I cannot handle having trying to do basic things, like run through basic information to have people yell at me about we're not doing enough, we're not going all in enough. Like, I, I can't do that anymore. We can't go back to 101 stuff. We, we can't just, I, I can't spend my time trying to convince you of basic reality. You know what I mean? Like, if we're having a discussion about how things work and somehow you get on the, the, this path that, that I need to explain to you how I know for sure that Brian Gutekunst isn't an alien sent from Mars, we got to back away from it. If we can't even agree on what all in means, we're wasting our time here, folks. So here, here's the final thing, though. When I mentioned Brian Gutekunst is not entirely, you know, not to blame. The question is, how far back do we take this? At what point did he turn the wrong way? We easily could have just cut off the spigot after this last year and got rid of Rodgers. And, and I do think that was a very good option. And I was very much open to that possibility. Obviously, everybody would have been if we'd have known that it was going to devolve into this. But at the very least, it, still, it's kind of like, you know, we don't have much time. How many times do we want to run back this losing strategy before we finally give up on it and try something new? Do we really want to lock ourselves in with Rodgers? And then, you know, Devontae's not going to be here long. Bakhtiari's not going to be here long. A lot of these guys are going to start leaving whether Rodgers is here or not. So that certainly would have made the most sense, despite the fact that 94% of Packer fans would have lost their mind and said he's an idiot, despite the fact that now, oh no, we all knew that we sh this was coming to an end. Oh, shut up. But here's something else to consider. And I don't necessarily agree with this, but if you are more of the, the only thing that matters is Super Bowls fan, there's a very serious argument to be made from the fact that we should have moved on from Rodgers when Brian Gutekunst initially planned to do so. Right? We got rid of a bunch of players. We got rid of the coach. We got rid of the GM. Not really got rid of, but you understand. Kind of. And we're kind of starting fresh. And one of the first things we do is we draft a quarterback. Now, I know best player available and all that. I get it. But I think it was an understandable strategy to say we need to start planning for a future without Aaron Rodgers. However, that kind of got messed up when suddenly the team got really good really fast, including the quarterback. But the big negative is... We took that and we ran with it so hard. Rather than actually treating it like a true rebuild, which it probably could have been, should have been. You know, it's, a, it's as bad as 2018 was. This is like a multi-year, you know, we'll go get some free agents, but this is going to be a couple years of drafting and we probably got to find a new quarterback and all that. And kind of going the slow build-up route. Instead, we spend money and these guys are really good. And then we continue to spend more and more money to not only keep them, but to, you know, we got to make sure we keep Bakhtiari and stuff like that, you know. We can't let anybody go and we got to pay them. And we got to bring in new guys. And we got to draft, you know, maybe a little bit more for now than we would otherwise. Just something to think about. I don't know. I'm not complaining. I have enjoyed the last three years. Clearly, in hindsight, we should have cut off the spigot after this last year. But it's going to have a very similar result regardless. If we had gotten rid of Rodgers this past year, we would not be good this year, just like we're not now. Probably we wouldn't be good next year, just like we probably won't be next year. Maybe we would be good a year earlier or whatever, but that's, you know, there's no saying whether or not we're going to be good for the next 20 years, which is probably why Brian Gutekunst was kind of going all in on this strategy. But I don't know. Doesn't matter. Point is, we're here now, and we'll see how the rest of this year goes, but, but there really isn't much to look at here to feel encouraged that um, we're on a good path and should continue this path now and for the future. Maybe we will. I'm just saying I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. All right. Um, now that I took some time to get that off my chest, why don't we get over to the podcast questions? Not a ton of them, but I want to do them because I asked. And so we will start with Mr. Justin Connor. I did ask this a few days ago. Uh, actually, it was a lot of days ago. Sorry, I took so long to get to it. A lot of stuff been going on. But some of these are a little dated. 
But Justin says, with the trade deadline being November 1st, do you feel the Packers will wait to see the outcome of the Bills game to decide who or if they should pursue additional pieces? I think if you lose, no way they try to make any big signings. If they win, I think it's much more likely. And and JJ kind of talked about that on Packernet After Dark yesterday, I think. But just that it kind of put us in a tough spot because we lost, which obviously sets us even further back in, in terms of our potential for doing anything this season. There was a lot of bad in the game, but there was also plenty of good to give you hope. And so you can't really look at that game in the season and say it's time to start selling off because there were some positive developments in that game. And you hear about the energy and the excitement from Rodgers and things are going well. You don't want to be the wet blanket that's like, hey, man, great game, but we're going to go ahead and shut her down, folks. But you also, you know, again, there's not enough there to to really warrant anything. I, I the The second part of your question is the the more interesting one, what happened, what would have happened if they won? Um, because we, we heard that they were in on some conversations. They had apparently offered a second round pick for uh, Claypool, which I don't, you know, again, if I have any, if there's anything that upsets me about Brian Gutekunst lately, it's, it's that he's so invested in moving all in on what we currently have. And I just, I was, I was uncomfortable with it when he started using void years. I don't like that. I was, beginning to get really uncomfortable with the Rodgers contract and now we're giving away potentially giving away draft capital for middling wide receivers to try to aid in a dying season and uh, I don't necessarily understand that but if they had won would they have tried a little harder would they have made sure to secure Chase Claypool there was also talk about maybe they had, or that they had had some conversations about Jerry Judy but were nowhere near um the right asking price would they have pushed a little harder i guess is my question and by the way, we can st- again, we can still get OBJ. I don't think we will. I definitely don't think we should, but it's an option. And I, and I have to assume from Brian Gutekunst's standpoint, um, there's still a wait-and-see mentality, kind of like what you're talking about. These games matter. And if for some reason we lose to the Lions, you can just kiss every free agent prospect goodbye. And Gutekunst will sit back in his chair and say, dang it, I should have just sold everybody off. Oh, well, that'll be my first order of business the second the season ends. Sell, 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 sell. If you beat the Lions, great. If you destroy the Lions, then it's like, eh, maybe I'll pick up the call and say, you know, check the temperature over there for Odell. Like, hey, man, how uh, how we doing? What's, uh, you got any more offers or anything we could do for you? Make you feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more at home with the situation. But we shall see. JG says, a while ago you mentioned how teams have a DNA. Regardless of the changes made to personnel, both on and off the field, we see the same problems with teams. With the Packers, how much of our current bad DNA do you think is, a f- uh, is from the front office, and how much do you think is from Rodgers? For example, the carryover or bad second-half play, not being willing to close out games, being stuck in the mode of allowing opposing defenses to dictate our RPOs. Well, you mentioned front office and Rodgers. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think how the front office would have anything to do with that other than if you mean the, the talent on the field, meaning Brian Gutekunst and whatnot, um, unless you are talking about the coaching staff, which is kind of where my mind goes with a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, a, a lot of it is culture, and apparently culture is a thing that happens in the locker room, and so you can't, you're not supposed to blame the coaches, even though I kind of do, because if nothing else, it is your job to foster that. Um, I don't I think the Packers front office has done everything they can to put character at the forefront. Um, and I think they've done a good job of that. A lot of the guys that come in here, they're, they seem to be really good dude. You know, again, Quay was getting emotional after he had gotten kicked off the field because it means that much. Devontae Wyatt apparently has a phenomenal personality, is a really funny dude. You know, they go way out of their way to make sure that they have really high character people. I can't single-handedly point out Rodgers, although I do know that he is not a solution, even if he's not a problem. And as I've mentioned before, that is a choice. It's not, you know, he kind of phrases it from the standpoint of that's just not who I am. It's like, well, we know, but it could be, right? But either way, I, I you know, there's just a, a, a mentality that the Packers don't have, and, and they think that they're good enough to not really need any of this stuff, and they're not. They don't need to be rah-rah. They don't need to have energy. They don't need to try during the week. They don't need to do any of these things. They're just going to be good enough, and they're not. And again, I don't think that there's enough oversight from the coaching staff. I think they're trying to be everybody's buddy and just trust the locker room to take care of itself and trust these guys to be 
reliant enough. You know, I'm going to talk about the standard and expect you to march out of here and go home and spend, you know, five hours in the book grinding away and then fall asleep at your desk and wake up and, and get in here and get to the gym and then, you know, go to your meetings and then go work out and then go to practice and then go home and grind and pass out. Like, that's what I think because I mentioned the standard we set here. And in reality, there's no accountability and the players go home and do whatever the heck they want. Again, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's a talent issue. I think it's an effort issue. I think it's just, you know, mental mistakes. Why are they making mental mistakes? Because they're just not showing up ready to play. You know, again, I can't pin that on Rodgers, but I also can't say that he's not a part of that. Nobody really seems to rally around the guy. They seem scared of the guy, for sure. But I don't know that they rally around him. And on top of that, yeah, the, the, the comments that are made, you know, apparently, you know, Von Miller, he had, Rogers had made comments to Von Miller, and, and Von's like, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to start any trouble. Well, he's bad-mouthing somebody on the field. Remember that comment? I think it was from Greg Jennings about that he got all upset because he said something to the other team right in front of everybody, like, you should go play for them or something. And, you know, Packer fans in general are like, oh, grow up, get over it, you big baby. But, I mean, that, that kind of stuff ain't helping anything. And now he's out there bad-mouthing either the coach or the wide receivers or the offensive line to Von Miller right on the field in front of everybody. You know, he throws a bad pass and he rolls his eyes and he screams at the coach and he's, you know, yeah, that's who he is and he expects perfection and all that and that's great, but I think that's feeding into a not-great environment. So I guess my answer would be neither. A little dash of Rodgers mixed in. I primarily look at the coaches. Even if you're telling me, well, the, the, it's up to the leadership in the locker room, okay, but, but you need to foster that as, as a coaching staff. And you also need to do a better job of accountability. And you need to step, again, I, I, just, I think he's being walked all over. I think Matt LaFleur is being walked on, and I, and I don't think that that's going to work. Mike says, I would love to see a comparison of 12's PFF grades through the first seven games for 2019, 2021, and 2022, and his completion percentage while in a clean pocket for the uh, same time frames, all right? I did do that already, but um, I don't know exactly what weeks that was, so I will do it again. He did have a good week this week. So um, as much as he was behind, and this was the worst uh, start that he had had through the first six or seven weeks, um, he's probably getting a little closer to back on track, I would think. But we will add in the wrinkle of um, the clean pocket thing as well, which I have not looked at. All right, so his PFF grade right now, his passing grade, let's just, should we look at that or overall? I don't know. 78 overall, 76 passing grade. This is through, um, and you had said seven weeks, but we'll do eight weeks because, again, I'm behind. Let's do overall because I'm just going to forget. So we'll call it a 78 through eight weeks in 2022. Last year was an 83. 2020 was a 93. 2019 was an 87.3. How far back did you want me to go? That's it. So this is definitely still his lowest. Uh, 87, 93. 2021 was an 80.5. And then so far this year is a 77.9, 78. And then you wanted completion percentage in a clean pocket. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, just so we're... Well, no, wait, never mind. Let's let's just go to the the question. Um, we'll do adjusted completion percentage just because it's a little more accurate. 79% this year. So that is his completion percentage, which is actually 71.9, um, which is quite high, although it's it's win clean. So I, I've never actually looked at it before, so I don't know. But we're we're getting rid of batted passes and throwaways and some other things too, but I think those are the only ones. Are there there's no drops which is crazy, not a single drop. So 79% adjusted completion percentage this year, 83.1 last year, 82 in 2020, and 79.7 in 2019. So again, slightly higher still. So yeah, I mean, it, again, it's, it's, his worst, it's his worst year as far as PFF grade. It's his lowest uh, well-kept clean adjusted completion percentage. That one not by a ton, although... We're kind of, he's, he's, if he's close to anything, it's 2019. It's a pretty stark drop off to his two MVP years, especially 2020 when he was just out of his mind. 2019, as I've said, I'm not sure he deserved to win MVP, but it's fine. He was fine. So hope that helps. Uh, Aaron says, question, which kind of bear is best? Before you say this is a ridiculous question, it's a black bear. 
I know there are basically two schools of thought, so it can be debatable, but don't ignore the fact that Bears eat beets. What are your thoughts on Bears, Beats, and Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica? Um, bears are cool insofar as I never actually see one in real life. I've thought about that before, too. Like, you know, what's your favorite animal? And I usually will reply, lion. And I don't know why that's my answer, because I never in my life want to meet a lion. I don't ever want to be around a lion. I don't even want to be on those African safaris where you drive around in a car and there's lions off in the distance, because I tell you what, I am shocked that 500 people aren't eaten to death by lions in those in those things every single year. Because that ain't enough to keep out a lion if he really wants to get in there and just destroy your entire life. I don't like lions. I hate lions. I only like lions because the only time I see lions is, is when I go to um, the zoo. And, and those lions are stupid. They just sit there. Actual cool lions? There's nothing good about them. They're mean. They suck. <laughs> no, a real answer would be like, I don't know, maybe a dog? A bird or something, like one of the ones that's outside and doesn't do anything. It's not in my house making noise. Just kind of, you know, one of those, you wake up and it's just kind of a nice little ambiance in the morning. Little, little chirp, chirp, you know. Uh, beets, I've never had one, but I can't imagine that I will ever eat one. And Battlestar, Battlestar which for some reason I keep saying wrong, Galactica, I've never seen. Uh, it's not my thing. Roger says, I'm curious what you think the impact of all the coaching changes since last season have had on this team's preparation and performance. I've heard very little said about Roger's quarterback coach. Wasn't he supposed to be the quarterback whisperer? Maybe he should try speaking louder. Um, That's actually an interesting thing I've never really touched on, but I've heard some people comment on it. First of all, Rodgers picks his quarterback coaches, so I, I never really expected him to be a quarterback whisperer. Rodgers brings in his buddies. Um, I don't know. I don't know how, how much I want to delve into it, but, but is he, is Clement, who is a very good friend of Rogers and worked under Mike McCarthy for many years, is he an advocate for Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers? Just wondering when he's in the building. And Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers differ on, on the direction that the team should go. I wonder where Clemens falls on that. I wonder if maybe he would be encouraging. Not, 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 I'm not talking about a coup or anything. I'm just saying Rodgers likes to take the team in a certain direction. And when he does, it tends to be away from the direction that I believe Matt LaFleur would like to go. And I wonder if Rodgers brought somebody in, maybe not deliberately, again, he's just a friend or whatever, but he brought somebody in that just so happens to agree with those sentiments more than he probably should. And maybe it would be better if there was somebody in the building that was more of a Matt LaFleur guy that was going to push him into the direction of understanding how to be a quarterback in this system. Because I'll be honest, and I, I obviously have not put enough thought into this because now it's all kind of hitting me. We all just assumed who cares who his quarterback coach is. The guy's a, a genius freak, genius, know-it-all genius. He doesn't need anyone to tell him what to do. He knows everything there is to know about being a quarterback. And he can operate this system, that system, any system he wants in the world in his sleep. And yet we're hearing all the complaints about pretty basic stuff that he's struggling to work through. Listen, whether or not his issues are understandable, whether we could say, listen, yeah, he's struggling, but look at the offensive line, look at the wide receivers, fine. But the reality is Rodgers is struggling in certain ways, and I don't think it has to be that way. Well, he's scared because of his offensive line. Well, okay, but he doesn't have to be. Is there somebody that's helping him to improve, helping him on a week-to-week -week basis to identify the issues that are cropping up you know, when, when Rodgers is not reading the right things, to be able to sit down with him and say, what was that all about? To find out what that was all about and then craft a plan to help him to work on that issue, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, the guy has a dedicated coach, a coach whose entire job is to make sure Rodgers does a great job for this offense. And there are basic things that a guy of Rodgers' caliber shouldn't be doing and, um, and again, he has a quarterback coach, he has an offensive coordinator and a head coach that should all be there to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I don't know how that's happening. 
So is that part of the problem? I have no way of knowing, but I know that he's not helping the situation at all. As far as the other coaching turnover, I think it's possible. I, I just, it's too hard to know specifically what the issues are. You know, if, if it's a preparation issue, okay, well, is this a new preparation issue or are they always struggled with preparation? And, and is it because Rogers or Matt LaFleur used to sort of, you know, as the head coach, you can't do everything. There's a lot of deferring and you need to know what to defer and who to defer to. And so you would give some stuff to your offensive coordinator and that person is new. And their abilities are are different and whatnot. I, I, I don't know, and we would never know. Because Matt LaFleur is never going to answer the question of, yeah, turns out Stenovich is, is real good with the offensive line, but this guy is adult. He doesn't do anything I tell him to do. He doesn't know jack about this offense. Like, I, this is a disaster. If that were the case, we'd never know. So I don't want to sit here and speculate that because I have nothing to base that on. I'm just saying it's entirely possible that maybe some of the coaching changes are are one of the myriad issues with this team in general. Might as well add it on. Just just add it to the tab, man. Anyways, that's it. I appreciate getting those questions in. I'm going to I'm going to do it again. Should I do it now or I'll do it later? Why don't we uh take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support Le Podcast. Again, big giant massive shout out to Willie D. Really, really appreciate that. Also, Josh Rowmaker. I don't think I said thank you to you, but uh, you guys are awesome. And I appreciate all the help and the support. Also, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can check them out at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I want to real quick uh, start to turn our attention to the upcoming week, the Green Bay Packers injury report. The first injury report is uh, is out for the day. Uh, this is Wednesdays, obviously. Um, David Bakhtiari, Devondre Campbell, Shamar Jean Charles, uh, Elton Jenkins, and Christian Watson did not participate. I hear, I hear that Christian Watson was out on the field, but didn't really do much more than that. Uh, Watson, obviously, with a concussion. Elton Jenkins, knee and foot issue. Um, apparently he was stepped on, so I don't know exactly. See, they'd said this is not related to his knee. It's because his foot got stepped on. Now he's listed as a knee and foot issue. The heck is that all about? Shamar Jean Charles with an ankle injury. Devondre Campbell, obviously, with his knee injury. David Bakhtiari, knee injury. Limited participant, Lazard, Rogers, and Preston Smith. Um, Lazard shoulder, Rogers thumb. Preston neck shoulder, but should be fine for those three. Uh, the Packers did also activate Kylan Hill from IR. This was an expected move. I don't know. Sorry, I don't have any answers on what exactly that means. Is he going to be on special teams or whatever? I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think so right out of the gate, but we shall see. Um, as for the Lions, fairly extensive injury report. Um, Derek Barnes, uh, Charles Harris is limited with a groin injury. And I wish this was in order. Frank Ragnall limited with a foot injury. Josh Reynolds, uh, back injury, also limited. Players that did not participate. Chase Lucas with an ankle injury. Fetty Malfonwu, ankle injury. Matt Nelson, calf injury. A.J. Parker, hip injury. Uh, Penny Sewell, personal stuff. Usually that means he'll be back, but we shall see. I'm not sure what's going on there. DeAndre Swift with an ankle or uh, and shoulder injury, which, I mean, I think Swift just got back, so that's kind of serious. Brock Wright, tight end, uh, concussion protocol. So they've got a pretty extensive uh, injury thing going on right now. 
Um, going through the press conference from Matt LaFleur, um, I don't know that I need to play a lot of this, but um, if any at all, I guess. But, um, you know, obviously he's being asked about the process of, you know, the trade deadline and whatnot. And, and, and basically what, what a lot of people are asking, and, and this, is where, this is where things get a little silly, and even the members of the media get to be a little, um, get to sound a little bit like fans. You know, almost almost like they're goading, and, and maybe they're just trying to get a clickbaity thing to happen. I don't know, but almost asking questions as if to say, "How ticked off are you that Gutekunst didn't help you?" You know what I mean? But Matt Lafleur kind of addressed the the question, essentially saying, "My job is to be a head coach. I am trying to get my team prepared. I'm not really focused on new players coming in. I'm worried about the players we have and how to get them ready to play, which is obviously the most obvious." thing <laughs> um later question again just baiting <laughs> well it's so funny the pathetic nature of these questions what was your message this is essentially the question what was your message to the team considering so much leading going on considering many players were hoping for help yeah i'm sure players were like oh man i hope they replace me i hope they acknowledge that we're not good enough and go out and get us help because we suck i'm just sure that's what the whole team is saying Maybe Rodgers, but that's about it. Um, but what, what, what is your message to the team, considering everybody was really hoping to get some help and didn't? How, how do you, what do you say to your players after a thing like that? It's almost like, what do you say to your children after a tragedy befalls them? How do you sit them down and look them in the eye and, and speak to them? Dude, what are you talking about? We're, we're trying to get ready for the Lions. Freaking drama queens. Oops, careful. Can't say that. But uh, yeah, no, he just said, we're, we're getting ready for the Lions. That's what we're doing. I don't know why you keep asking me about getting a new player in the building. I am going to play this part because it's hilarious. So he, he goes through the whole thing, right? He gives that ridiculous question. And then a big long answer about the Lions are a really good football team. We're trying to get ready for the Lions, all that stuff. No, I didn't sit them down and have a heart-to-heart talk while we were weeping. I walked into the locker room and they were weeping. They were literally crying. What am I supposed to say to them? <laughs> so he gives the answer, right? Nope, this is stupid. Back off. It's, uh, you're, you're saying dumb things right now. Uh, this is the follow-up. So you, you don't think that that's something you have to address with your guys? You think they're kind of... Shaking his head, no. no. I mean, it, it, everybody has a, a responsibility to one another to be their best, whatever that is. I'm not even going to play the rest. What do you do? Again, like th- this is the psychosis I talked about at the beginning, but it's not just like random troll fans that live in their, I don't know, I don't even say mom's basement because it's going to be 40-year-old dudes that are throwing a temper tantrum, but like even within the media, it's the same like psychosis. Like I can't even believe this. Matt, how are you coping? And he's like, with what? You guys didn't go get a wide receiver. Okay. I can't, I, I am so sorry for you and your struggles in life. How do you even deal? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to get ready for Detroit. What do you say to your players? What do you even say to them? I, I didn't, I'm, we've been getting ready for Detroit, trying to, uh, trying to get ready for, for Detroit. I don't understand. So, so, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't say anything to them? You didn't even talk to them about this tragedy that has befallen the franchise? Oh, <laughs> what is this? Next question. Well, you guys paid Rodgers to win and you're not winning. Don't you think you have to do something? Okay, first of all, he's not the GM. And this is, they're all complaining. How dare the GM not come down and, and give answers and, and speak to the people about this? I'm so tired of the entitlement. We're just, we, we are owed answers. I mean, listen, I would love information. I would love to be able to get as much information. That's why I said I like that Aaron Rodgers does that stuff. I would love it if, if Brian Gutekunst talked about the issue a little bit. But the, the demeanor that we keep hearing that is, we are owed an explanation. How dare he hide in his ivory tower? Dude, you're not owed anything. And because Brian Gutekunst isn't here, Matt LaFleur is going to get peppered and just... Take the full-on effects of the ire of the fanalist media who are letting the fandom kind of take over their, <laughs> their journalistic integrity, I guess. 
And rather than recognizing this is the head coach, we're going to pepper him with leading questions. You're three and five. You lost four in a row. Don't you think you should have done something? I don't know, dude. What did Matt LaFleur say? We need to win games. I know that. Why did he say that? Because he's the head coach. That's his job. He just got done telling you, I'm going to focus on my job, not somebody else's job. Do you think you need to go get somebody? I think we need to win football games. This is just, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing. Like the lack of, I don't know. It's just like, dude, you're kind of freaking out a little bit here. So to be clear, Matt LaFleur has given answers for five minutes now leaving a little bit of room for an intro music thing slash a couple couple seconds of questions. Let's call it three solid minutes of explaining. That's not my job. Not what I'm here to talk about. Our job is on winning. Our job is on getting the guys we have prepared. Our job is on focusing on Detroit, right? Three solid minutes of addressing that very directly. Next question. Did you press for something, though, as far as the trade deadline or not realize I was up there game planning and getting ready for Detroit. So- he's, he's literally laughing right now because they're being so absurd about this. And, and, and this, is, this is what I'm saying. Like this, this is why I can't even go on social media right now because it's so absurd. Everything is absurd. All the way up to the, the writers and the journalists. This is, this is silliness. We're going to badger the head coach about this issue. He's literally laughing right now. Like, guys, I have addressed this. I was upstairs game planning for the Lions. I've said this now 10 times. No, I, like, it's, it's amazing to me that people that have covered the team for as long as they have, who have a very good insight on how things work and everything else, legitimately have a picture of, what, what have they painted a picture of now? Matt LaFleur in Brian Gutekunst's office, pounding the table, screaming, I need help. And then when he didn't get it, walking downstairs into the locker room, apparently, into a room of grown men weeping. And he gets in the midst of them and gives them an impassioned speech, trying to encourage them through this trying time because we didn't trade for Chase Claypool. Is this, is this it? Is this, is this what, is this where we're at? This is the, the, the peak of human intellect in regard to understanding football and specifically the Green Bay Packers. This is it. This is the apex. I have learned everything there is to know, and here's what I think happened. Good Lord. Anyways, outside of that, it's a whole lot of... I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's kind of the same stuff that we've been hearing. Like, hey, why do you guys suck? And he's like, I don't know. If I knew, we wouldn't suck. A um, lot of questions about run and pass. You know, why aren't you more balanced? Do you need to run more? I did find it a little interesting because they're they're never going to just flat out tell you something. You know, so it's just a matter of how how they answer where you try to read between the lines. So, for example, the question was asked: Hey, you were run heavy week two. You were run heavy this last week. Do you think maybe we've arrived at the point where we realize that run heavy is the way to go moving forward? And he kind of stopped and said, well, not necessarily. There are certain situations where they would, you know, if, if, for example, if they load up the box like they did on fourth and one, that it would make it harder to do that. It's just an interesting way to answer the question. If, if, if you have no intention of doing that, and that was just a, because the, that's what the bills were giving us, we did it, and we intend to pass the ball a ton, you wouldn't answer the question that way, right? If you're trying to be balanced, if, if that wasn't even a thing, that doesn't make sense to answer the question that way. Now, if you did plan to do that, and you did realize running the ball more is the way to move forward, but you didn't just want to flat out tell everybody, yes, we are going to be running the ball more often. We should have been doing it all year. Seems like it's working. We're going to stick to it. What is a way that you could answer that? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, if they put 10 guys in the box, we probably won't. So, you know. Probably not, dude. You know what I mean? He said no in a way that sounded like a yes, I guess is what I'm saying. But anyways, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, um, in my opinion, not a ton of super great insights. A lot of trying to read between the lines and and the coach kind of handling a lot of nonsense pretty well. And And I don't necessarily mean that. I know I've been mean about the questions, but I don't just mean it as in the questions all suck. Just they're not fun questions to answer, you know? 
But all that aside, the, the, the bottom line is the team is what the team is. This is a team with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari and A.J. Dillon and, and a, a group of wide receivers that we used to be all excited about until we didn't get a new one. Now suddenly they're the worst wide receivers in the history of the universe, so that's cool. Uh, they're, they're, this is a team that has more than enough talent, more than enough talent to not just beat the Lions, but to go on a win streak, contend for the North, push their way into a, to a playoff run. They just, as, as Matt LaFleur has been saying for the entire season, have to play better complementary football. They have to play with more intensity and get better at their preparation. I don't know if Matt LaFleur actually said the last part, but other players have. And um, I don't know if that's ever coming, but all we get to do is sit back and wait and see. I do think there's a good chance they win this game. I think there's a good chance that they win in convincing fashion, and there's a at least marginal chance that has some kind of net positive effect on their ability to improve moving forward. And so while there is not a single game on the roster that I can look at that I feel good about, there are also several that you look at and say, what is the real reason why we should lose this game? The, the Dallas is going to be tough, no question. Okay. The Titans? We should beat the Titans. Eagles are tough. Okay, there's two more losses. Seven losses. Bears, we should win. Rams, we should win. Dolphins, we should win. Vikings, I would say as a board, I know their record is solid, and I know they're a good football team, and I get all that, but they're not the Cowboys, and they're not the Bills. I'll call that a toss-up, and the Lions, we should win. At the very least, every other week is a win. Lions, Titans, Bears, Dolphins, Lions. If we are, I'm not, I'm not talking about the way we are now. I'm just saying if you take the roster, and, and again, if you're one of the people that says our roster is garbage, and they're never had any good players on this team, okay, well, whatever. I, I guess... This, this podcast isn't going to make a lot of sense to you moving forward. Um, assuming we have largely the same roster we've had the last several years, and we do, quarterback, running back, large part of the offensive line, although the major differences are the major improvements. Corners, again, only difference is the major improvement. Defensive tackles, edge rushers, linebacker plus one, safeties, tight ends. I mean, everything but wide receiver is almost identical. So assuming that that roster is still talented and just has got some kind of a motivation issue. It's some weird, weird thing going on, and that gets fixed, okay? Fixed at least uh, most of the way. We should beat the Lions. We should beat the Titans. We should beat the Bears. We should beat the Dolphins. We should beat the Lions. Good chance to beat the Rams and the Vikings, right? I shouldn't even say good chance. Rams are in that same category. The, the Vikings are... The one that there's a good chance. The, the Eagles and Cowboys, that's tough, especially since the Eagles are in two weeks, or the, uh, the Cowboys are in two weeks. And you can, you can vary on that, I guess. Again, it depends what you think of the team or whatever, and, and the Titans are relatively good. At least their defense seems to be somewhat decent. I don't know how much I'm a buyer in that, but, but who, it's such a weird season. Don't buy in their defense, but yet everybody's defense, aside from ours, is, is seemingly doing very well. But anyways, they've decided that we need to vacuum upstairs. It's very important that this has to happen right now and cannot wait another 30 seconds. So I am going to uh, leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.